Who writes these apps, man? People like you, Tim. People like you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 38 of the Margin Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And my other co-host today uh, in Seattle, Washington, Jaime Lopez. How's it going? Or should I say Jaime Lopez Jr.? That's true. Either one will work. <laughs> and unfortunately, Mark is uh, once again uh, pre- occupied with work, so he can't, uh, can't join us this evening. Um, so to start off with a couple of follow-up items, um, one of which we talked about on the past uh, about bands and our speculation about you know magnetic connections and whether or not um, uh, Apple will be able to will be you know letting people build bands. We all think that they will, but we're not sure how that's going to be. But uh, yesterday, I think Apple released some guidelines on uh, blueprints. In fact, really sexy-looking blueprints on the watch design and and how one would build a a band for an Apple Watch, and uh, we'll post a link to the, on the show notes to uh, an iMart article that, that talks about that stuff. You guys got anything to say about that at all? Or Yeah, it's pretty cool. This uh, these, these watch bands uh, will be like a made-for-iPhone program style program that Apple's running. They provide specifications for the clasp mechanism, and I think I got the impression as well that Apple will be providing the um, the actual part that goes into the watch itself like as a clasp, mm-hmm. uh, if you want those. So if you're, if you're just like going to make a leather band, I think Apple would provide you with the clasp that the band would hook onto. Right, right. Um, but if you also want to make your own clasp, or I'm not sure what the word is that they're using for that, the, the part that actually goes into the uh, recessed part of the oh, watch Oh, a little like magnet, magnetic gizmo thing in there and there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it magnetic? Yeah, there's a mag, there's a mag that makes it stop. Have you have you not played with your watch and taken your band? You know, out I really haven't. I've I've done surprisingly little messing around with my watch. Yeah, um, okay. But it was uh, there's been a lot of speculation around the uh, diagnostic port that's on the bottom uh, socket of the oh, okay. watch body. You know that, uh, and all through the the beta testing process of the Apple Watch, that that port has been open. Right. And it, I think it's got four pins in there that yes. Apple presumably plugged some kind of cable into in order to test the watch and run with it, you know, while it's in development. And um, it, there there's, appears to be some speculation as well that you could power the watch, right. i.e. charge the watch, mm-hmm. using uh, that port as well. Right. Now, important to note that this program that Apple announced uh, makes no mention of the diagnostic port, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty clear that Apple is going to you know, for anyone who's in this program, of course, they will not be able to use the diagnostic port mm-hmm. uh, to come up with some whizzy functionality for a watch band or, you know, in its most obvious form, allow you to charge it with some kind of battery-laden watch band, mm-hmm. for example. Um, not that not that watch battery is an issue, right? Like, Tim, you've had your watch for a week now, and I think, like like me, you may have, may have found that the watch battery is... More than sufficient. Yep, in, I'm at 87% right now, and it's, what, 9.30 at night, so... Yeah, 73 here. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's just simply not been a problem whatsoever. No. It's, uh, it's been terrific. For that. You, have so, a, you have a 42 as well, though, right? So... Uh, yes, yours yeah. is a 38. Sorry? Yours is a 38? No, mine's a 42, but I had okay. heard... Uh, I was talking to Brian Gillum last night, and he was saying that the 42 apparently has a better battery or more Yeah, well, more it's life. just a larger battery, right? That's yeah. the idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 So... Um, 
the blueprints that Apple posted with the uh, the program were really cool looking. <laughs> um, the the link that you've got here doesn't have it. I, I saw it in a different link, not in the iMore site, but uh, somewhere else. Are you talking about the special port thing, or? Uh, no, I'm not talking about the port. I'm talking about like from the actual watch guidelines. Um, mm. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up because it had this really nice uh, blueprint style yeah. schematic of the watch, the clasp, uh, and the various uh, band joint mechanisms, whatever you call right. them. But yep. mm -hmm. um, it was really sharp looking, and it was uh, notably approximately uh, desktop sized. You know, make a good wallpaper. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for someone to come out and like color it blue or something, so it's a suitable background. Well, you know what? I actually have a, a signed Apple One logic board signed by Waz downstairs. The actual logic board. Yeah, the original Apple One, um, not the logic board itself, but a blueprint of it. Oh, a blueprint. Oh, a schematic. Okay. I guess an electronic schematic. Nifty. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a picture of that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, uh, very cool looking thing. And uh, if you find it, and I, if I find it rather, I'll post a link here in the show notes that you can include that. Um, but that's about all I have to say about it. I, 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 one more thing. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, one of the things that people are looking for in third-party watch bands uh, is a lower price, right? And being a member of a, a program that Apple's running similar to Made for iPhone, the MFI program, or MIFI, and it, I think membership in that program sort of precludes the notion of a low-cost peripheral because it costs a certain amount of money. Like, you're paying a license fee to Apple, basically, for everything that you sell mm -hmm. with their Made for iPhone label on it. Right, and yeah. so when a third-party watch band maker sells a watch band, um, it's going to have this official trademarked designation ah, with right. all its license fees right. attached to it, right? So right. something that's gonna that might have cost say twenty dollars now because it's a made for iPhone or made for watch in this case, it's going to be fifty dollars, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it's so. too bad Mark wasn't here because Mark was in that made for iPhone program at one point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, so. he could have told us more, but you know we've we've heard about that sort of thing with the made for iPhone uh, program, especially, you know, when, when Apple changed its um, uh, dock connectors, yeah, uh, putting chips in them. And so mm. making sure that only the official stuff actually worked. Oh, is that why you get that error? Uh... Yes. <laughs> um, made for iPhone right, or not. Right. right. Yeah. Hmm. So there's always going to be like third party knockoffs that are not part of the program, right. but that still quote work unquote. And they will be less expensive. Uh, so those choices will still be out there. But they won't be as good, right? They won't be, you know, uh, they won't quite have that fit and finish, I think. Right. That's a right. guess. Hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. what do you guys think? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it's cool. I, that's what I was talking about before the show about the uh, the secret port. Because I'd heard that some, some watch manufacturers or band manufacturers were thinking of packing another battery into the into the watch band itself. And possibly charging it if they, if they had access to that. But yeah, I think it's kind of cool. It's cool that they, they actually came out and rather than, rather than, you know, um, letting people, you know, figure it out, they, they kind of actually came up with these are the schematics and this is the curve and uh, how to properly, you know, properly create something that works with the watch. I mean, there, I mean, the, the experience of using a watch and wearing a watch and what the apps are going to do is is going to, is a huge thing to apple and i think that's definitely why they they came forward with this kind of information you know maybe surprised that they came out with it so publicly you know but uh, yeah they came up with a i think i downloaded it it's a, a guideline for uh for building watch bands in pdf format right 
Uh, yeah, their documents came out in PDF. Uh, and you're right, you know, like we didn't, I don't think we got as much information about the made for iPhone program no. when, when that came out. Yeah. I just posted a link into an article from some generic website. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but that article includes the, uh, that, that graphic I was telling you about. Yeah, well, the, the band's band design guidelines for Apple Watch, which they released yesterday, I believe it has the uh, has the schematics as well that Apple's provided. So, yeah. with the there watch lug and everything, hmm. yeah, cool. Yeah, because somebody posted a video on on using or buying the expensive leather band and uh, that. Oh, just a side note here on on the um, the wearing of the band itself. Um, we had some discussion with one of our Slack groups today or yesterday about the size of the bands. And I'm actually on the second last notch on the fluoroelastomer um, band, right? The larger one or the smaller one? The larger one. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the larger one. And it's the one they came with, right? So, um, and I know that we used those, we talked about those paper printouts before. When I wrapped those around my wrist, I couldn't get the 38 to, to wrap all the way around and look like it would close properly. And, or the one that comes with the 38, I should say. And then the, because um, it's also, the watch itself is also narrow, or not as wide. So you lose, you know, a couple of centimeters here and there. Um, where where are you on the, on, on your wrist? Like where, what notch are you sort of in? Um, so just to be clear, you're talking about um, the second to last being uh, the second to last tightest fit. No, no, widest. Loosest. No, okay. yeah, so yeah, so I, I basically got, got, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm one notch away from not being able to wear this watch with this band. Wow, okay, so yeah. I am, I'm the opposite. Uh, I am the second to last tightest hole here. Man, you gotta start eating some stuff, man. Uh, yeah. Carbohydrates, um, you know, look you know, into them. You know, the <laughs> not everybody can be like you and Felix with the huge Hulk hands, dude. Like, <laughs> go, go, like, choke Ultron or something, I guess. Well, so, so it was interesting, though, because I went in, where I was going with this is that when I went back to look at the various bands that are available, the only other band that's larger than this one is the leather band. So even the Milanese Loop and uh, the, the Link Metal Bracelet, you know, they're, they're still... In, when they measure it, when they give you the, the spec on how long the the band is, that's it. It's just I think, and it's like five centimeters, might even be five millimeters wider or longer than than the other two bands, right? So, so I'm just laughing because everybody that I've heard speak about the watch bands, yeah, have have said, and these are these are men, right? Yeah, they've all said every one of them. Yeah, I I have really narrow wrists. Mm -hmm. They all say that I have yeah. small wrists, so. Dot dot dot, and it. I I never said that, you know, because I don't. I didn't know. But of course, yeah. I thought to myself, yeah, I've got small wrists. But I'm not going to say that because every every guy seems seems to think that. <laughs> but not you, Tim. Not you. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you know, it's funny because you know I, I've seen pictures of myself in my 20s, and I was like a rail, and uh, you know, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that that uh, that that it's this big. But you know, there you go. Yeah, all Age. my body fat's in the gut. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that my wrists are. I mean, I play sports all the time, so my my arms and legs are pretty. Oh, it's in pretty all good muscle. Shape. It's muscly. Well, muscle. I don't know if it's muscle or yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. It's from muscle. from wheel, wheeling a, a goalie stick is what it's from, right? All right. Catching pucks with my uh -huh. teeth. Muscle. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Another follow up item that we talked about. Well, this is coming back to the. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, we are werewolves in a few minutes, but because uh, one of the criticisms about the Apple launch. Um, but yeah, one of the things that people were surprised about with the watch order, and I know a lot of people talked about, you know, ordering the watch and seeing what they'll get. And if they don't like, they'll cancel and just go pick one up. Right. 
Um, but it turns out that, you know, at this moment in time, um, you can only get a watch. You can only order the watch online and have it shipped to you. But I think there was an announcement today. I'm not sure what the when it was published today uh, that um, you can now choose or you will soon be able to choose to have pick up your watch in store as opposed to having it delivered. So a lot of people I've, I've heard a lot of stuff on Twitter about people uh being annoyed with the ups drivers and i've made jokes about the fact that they hide across the street from me when i walk out and as soon as i leave the house they run up and take the sticker on the door sort of thing right so i'm talking about missed deliveries right yes of course <laughs> yeah the ups guys in their sneaky trucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> you well, never see those <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah all right so. well that'll be good um it's just it's it's all come down to inventory right and we heard that apple was maybe having trouble producing their taptic engines Oh, is that uh, it is? Okay, yeah. Yeah, last week that was mm. the word that mm -hmm. uh, Apple had two suppliers for the Taptic engine, and one of them kind of tacked out. Wow. Uh, and so uh, one, only one manufacturer of the two that they had planned are producing them. So yeah. that might be a constraining their delivery capabilities. So uh, it'll come. It'll come. Poor Jaime, though, right? I mean, look at this poor bastard. You, yeah. you and I have been, like, laughing with our watches on for mm -hmm. at least a week, two mm -hmm. in my case, and Jaime... He has one to two weeks to wait still before he gets his watch. Like best case, and that's if mine, mine wasn't one of the, oh, look, yours was the bad manufacturer. We got to refurbish this thing back in the factory um, oh. prior to delivery. And, you know, I, I obviously made a mistake this year. Right? I shouldn't have gotten the cheapest watch in the most clearly what would have been the most popular price. But you got I the should have done. right? You got the black, the space gray one. Right? Yeah, I mean that was obviously going to be the most popular. I mean, I like, you think I would have bet dollars to donuts easily. Oh yeah, by right. by a long shot. Yeah. So what I should have done is, I should have just bought like one of the more expensive models in the ugliest color I could possibly find. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, and I could have woken enough. up at eight in the morning, pink, and would have been just fine. No, it was never like that for any color. <laughs> I thought I heard the white one was actually uh, was available quite late in the late in the day in terms of ordering. Like, but, you were there at midnight your time, right? Jaime? Or me? Yeah. yeah midnight he Pacific, was but on, I was, I was in Canada, so I was at 3 in the morning. Oh, 3 in the morning. And so, like, you were you ordered right when it opened. Like, yep, yep. God, you suck. <laughs> we there can't was nothing be, I we could. We can't <laughs> all be Aaron Bay. Sorry, we can't all be Aaron Bay. You poor, poor bastard. Yeah. Oh, I would goodness. have gladly paid an extra 100 to $200 to get it, you know, on day one. Would you really? option. Sure. If only Apple had known, man. Yeah, huh. there was a missed business opportunity for them. It's like, how much do you really want this thing? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, don't worry, they're making lots of money. Interesting, mm. interesting. Okay, so we'll be able to pick it up in store eventually, once they've got enough in, in stock to be able to do that. Yeah, and uh, you would think, and, and of course there are some, um, Mark was actually telling us, I think it was last week he was telling us that he actually was, or after the show he's telling me that he actually, uh, when he was in L.A., was just down the street from one of the stores where you could actually walk in and buy a watch, right? So, What, so, you could? I thought that wasn't even an option. No, there's, there's, there's four um, high-end fashion stores, oh, four or five. One's in Paris, store. one's in yes, L.A. Yes, yes. Um, okay. I don't know if one's in New York, but I think L.A. is the only place and... and uh, yeah, you can actually walk in and, and buy a watch like today, sort of thing. Yeah, but there's those are very and and I think they're doing no returns at those stores and stuff like that. It's all kinds of weird rules, but anyway, I'm sure that's what Beyonce shops. No, she got hers for free. But in contrast, <laughs> if Britney Spears wants one, Britney Spears can be able to walk right in off of Rodeo Drive and buy one. Yeah, yeah, 
Huh. How do you know she got hers for free? Cause, oh, because of the Beats thing. Okay, is that why? Well, I mean, she was photographed with one I, that was unique. That, like, as far yeah, as I know, you can't yeah. buy anywhere. No, yeah, with the gold, with the gold uh, link bracelet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Old to be Beyonce. It's good to be king. Um, anyway, so I was going to uh, segue into the fact that uh, I went to the We Are Wearables meetup yesterday, which is uh, my first time going there. It was an interesting talk. Uh, a lot of people in, who are interested in wearable fashion and, and, and tech uh, were there. Uh, the working group was there representing uh, their, their uh, efforts. Uh, so was Plastic Mobile and a few other sponsors. Um, but it, they had interesting, a couple of interesting talks. One was a, a panel of um, journalists who talked about uh, the, um, the, uh, the launch of the watch and, and their impressions of it. And I'm going to butcher these people's names, so I apologize. But Raju Mudar was from the Toronto Star was there. Lynn Bogart, I think she's on CTV possibly. Patrick O'Rourke, um, I think Dan Journey, Randy Bergman, and Tom Emmerich. Tom Emmerich is the host of, of the We Are Wearables, the creator of the show. Um, but it was interesting. They were talking about a couple of things about the uh, about the, sh the 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 launch of the Apple Watch and about you know what their initial impressions and that kind of stuff were. And Randy Bergman, she's a fashion editor. Uh, or to that something to that effect, um, and she was you know we were talking about the fact that you know there's a thirteen thousand uh, dollar watch and there's a twenty thousand dollar watch and and she just looked at the sideways at the guys and said you know in the fashion world that's a pair of shoes, so <laughs> yeah so that's nice. yeah so you know so in terms of how how do you get to a twenty thousand dollar watch well obviously in 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 high end fashion haute couture that's the kind of sort of way you end up. Um, and one of the interesting things, that, which I think we all kind of know, and we've all talked about, but uh, the problem is that currently nobody knows why they want an Apple Watch, right? Because we don't know what the Apple Watch is really going to be doing for us. Um, you know, Aaron and I can talk about it now because we've had ours for at least a week, at least my case, right? Um, but And talking about the, the whole retail thing, um, Nicole Bogart from, uh, I think, she, like I said, from CTV, she well, she's a TV personality or TV journalist, and she was saying that, you know, the whole – she spoke up and said the whole retail experience sucks. I mean, like the, the Apple store is not a, the kind of place that's conducive to buying that kind of product, especially with the way they're rushing you through with the sort of, you know, the 15 minutes of spending time with the thing. And um, I'm not sure if she, if she was talking about the fact that she, maybe she got to go to see one of the, the fittings for the edition watch as an, as a test or whatever. But, um, but she's right. I mean, and we talked about, I talked about it on the show that when we were speculating about how this watch is going to be sold, you know, my impression was if you're going to sell a fashion item, you have to sell it in a sort of fashion venue, like a special boutique or something specifically for that purpose. So it's interesting to hear that. Um, one of the other guys, and I apologize, I didn't, I didn't figure out who he was that was talking, but he was sort of saying the Apple store is, is kind of a hangout. So where you and your buddies go to get free Wi-Fi and, you know, check your mail. And, and it's not, it's not, uh, typical to the Apple culture in terms of, you know, why someone would go and try a watch on and uh, Raju Mudar from the Star said, um, if it was any other company that produced a watch like this and had this kind of a launch, they would have gotten like slaughtered in the in the in in terms of people's impression about the the watch. And uh, what he said was, it's interesting because it's Apple. Everybody's like, oh yeah, it sucks. It doesn't do this right. It doesn't do that right. And, you know, whatever. But you know, there seems to be something here. There's some future in this product. You know, because we're all sort of Apple fanboy kind of. Uh, impressions leading that stuff there and um, but the most interesting conversation I, that or most in interesting comment about the watch um, 
was that its purpose seems to be performing triage on what's going on in your phone, which I think was is a perfect analogy because in my experience using the the watch for the last week, it's totally that. Like you know, my my, my I get the little taptic buzz on my on my uh, wrist, and I you know I look at my watch, and oh, something's coming from Slack, something a tweet a tweet has been mentioned, or something mentioning me, or I've got an email, or something to that effect. So I can look at it very briefly and decide whether I want to act on that particular notification or glance or whatever it is, right? Um, but the most and and another same person sort of said that the one thing that Apple has done is that all other smartwatches have have not been able to do so far. They've actually managed to make the watch or wearable technology part of the the main uh, mainstream conversation. So people are talking about it, even though, like I said before, they don't know why they want a watch or what the watch is going to do, and you know, kind of stuff, right? So like even Aaron's mom and dad know what an Apple Watch is. They don't know what why he wants it, but right. You talked about that a couple of yeah, weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right. I did. Yeah, and they were they, they thought it was just a toy. I mean, this was before it came out, but yeah, yeah, there's that clear uh, line there about what it is for. Um, I, I I love what you said there about being able to triage things. Yeah. you know, uh, it reminds me of um, a lot of things I've been hearing the last week about people reviewing the the watch, mm-hmm. and the phrase that I that I've heard and that I I really like and think. Uh, fits quite well is don't overthink it yeah the the watch is is a thing that tells you time but that lets you know when something's up right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um the the idea being that if uh a tweet's happened just like you've mentioned uh email tweets slacks whatever um and then you can you can deal with them in the least intrusive way that is humanly possible yeah like there's there's no way that you can deal with this stuff in a way that's less intrusive than what the Apple Watch allows you to do. Right. And if you say that to someone, to say to somebody who's who's thinking about what the big deal is with the Apple Watch, that comes off sounding kind of weak, you know? Mm-hmm. Really? Is that all it does? And, <laughs> and, and actually, actually, yeah, that's all it does. Yeah. And if and if that's not amazing, then you have to try it before you can make a make an opinion about that because it actually is quite amazing. Well, yeah, and, and as and as the uh, the kind of contrarian with the whole Apple Watch experience thing myself, um, you know, I, I you know of the of the four of us, I probably was the one that was the least excited about it. I think you know, Mark, the jury's still out on Mark, but um, well, he doesn't have one. So. Yeah, but he's but he, he's he admitted he would buy one, and he might even he might even step up and buy a, a you know a higher end model too, right? Um, but you know, for me, you know, I, I yes, I wanted to get the watch for development purposes and to play around with it, and write some apps for it, or maybe add some watch functionality to some of my apps, right? But having worn it for a week, yeah, it it definitely does change your change the way you deal with the the no, the, the the noise, as it were, right? I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about turning off all the notifications or whatever, but you know, I have through my work experience learned to turn off the no, the noise myself, but. Now having the watch, it's just that one extra little bit to peak. I I love the fact that I don't have to take my stupid iPhone six plus out of my pocket all the time, you know. So hey, and you called it stupid, man. Well, and and Brian and I talked about this as well too. Is is that totally like like the watch has become our, our our entry point for all of this stuff? The phone is the next place you go to, especially with the six plus, because now it, it it's you know it's making my iPad seem useless, right? And then the iPad is like the last thing I go to these days, you know, whereas it was completely the opposite way. When I had the smaller phones, I would turn to the iPad for, for the, you know, for the mass consumption of data, right? So, 
it's yeah, it's interesting, and I think the use cases are coming out um, and yeah. will continue to come out for some time to come. Mm. Um, I would say that uh, since since last week and the things, the comments that I've made about the watch, um, I would. I would say that I am continuing to feel that third-party apps have a long way to go. Yeah, uh, I'm not really using them, um, except in sort of rare contexts where uh, an app that's on my watch delivers a notification that yeah. allows me to tap into its app to find more information. Yeah. Um, one example I think of, I mentioned last week, the Globe and Mail app, and mm-hmm. it is a, a very bare-bones implementation, but... When a news alert comes in, for example, like last night, there was, um, oh, the conservatives passed an anti-terror bill with liberal support. Uh-huh. Um, that's actually a notification I got now. And then I can look at that in the actual news app, but it doesn't have the article. Uh, it's just basically a lead. Oh, and if see. you want to read the whole article, you've got to go to the phone. Yeah, and you can save it for reader for later, so that kind of thing, I think, uh, I is the idea, right? I don't think so. Yeah, that's what the, the Globe Mail guide was on the second panel, and he was saying that's kind of what uh, the whole purpose was. It was just to give you a sort of a snapshot of what's going on, really, you know. Uh, maybe you need an account to do that because maybe. I don't I don't have one. Um, in this instance, as I'm looking at the Globe News app on my watch, mm-hmm. um, you can look at individual stories. You can look at the top stories. Yeah. And then um, all it says, you know, you've got the picture, uh, the first sentence, mm-hmm. and then read the full story on your iPhone. Mm. That's not a button. It's just a a little graphic. Ah, uh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no no handoff. Okay. Oh gonna... wait, uh, Force Touch reveals a save for later. Yeah, which it's, it's interesting. Maybe puts it on your phone. It's interesting. We should talk about the the, uh, the experience of of uh, interfa- interacting with the watch because I'm finding it a bit odd to, still, even after all this time. But um, I was going to ask you: Did did you not? See any uploads to, or uh, sorry updates today on the App Store to, to download some new versions of apps? Uh, I noticed a oh. couple of improvements already myself. Oh so. no, no, I haven't. Go ahead. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, was, I just noticed that, like today. I think I uploaded, I updated. I didn't realize that, that uh, Evernote had an app, um, um, and I think I so I updated that one. I just updated Twitter one too, but I haven't looked at it yet. But but I but I did notice that it's interesting that they're talking about some of the things that they're they're improving. I think, like you said, the load times are, are just brutal on some of these. Uh, oh man! Some of these, oh, like like, like even though, even Apple's own weather app. Okay, admittedly, yeah. Apple's weather app has to go to the you know the weather network or wherever it gets its stats from. Right? Sorry, weather network. Um, and and. Often you'll you go to load it and and the the app your watch will go to sleep before it's finished loading. Oh yeah, multiple you know? times. Yeah, so yeah, I just bah, brutal. Oh look, oh, look, Twitter just crashed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Twitter Twitter's much more improved. I think I just up- updated that one this evening, and yeah, so it's opening up real quick, and I'm getting getting to my first you know my timeline much faster. And uh, I know you don't use Twitter on your your watch, and no, you Twitter use Twitterific, right? So yeah. I've been finding I've been using I've been using the Twitter app, and and it's it's actually pretty cool. I mean, you know, uh, even our our more than just code, um, may the force be with you uh, message looks pretty cool on the on the, in Twitter on on your watch. So it's funny too, and just a comment about the screen, and a lot of people are talking about how small the screen is, and I find that when I'm focused on my watch, reading a message or reading a tweet or or any kind of message on here, my brain is totally sucked into that watch, right? I don't, you know, like the, the I don't concern, I don't, I'm not concerned about the choice of font. I'm not concerned about, you know, how tiny it is or the fact that I'm get my, my wrist is giving me information is all my brain is tuned into at that point in time. Agreed. Do you find the same yeah. thing? Oh yeah, totally. It's, it's 
not a problem at all. I do notice sometimes going to my iPhone 6 after yeah. looking at my watch that I'm stunned by the size and color <laughs> and clarity of the display. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, the watch is, is fine for the information that it shows. Very low information density. Yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, like you know, I don't even I don't even criticize the watch when I'm looking at it for the point of view of that. Yes, it is a lower resolution display. I do sometimes uh, wish there was more information in some cases. Like you know, sometimes you click on something and and it seems to be really short on information. By the way, what which watch face are you currently using? Uh, right now, I've actually been sticking with this one for ages. The uh, simple. Okay. And. Uh, I've got it customized with the temperature in the top left, the moon phase in the yeah. top right, mm -hmm. battery percentage in the bottom left, and uh, sunrise, sunset, bottom right. Yeah, you're going to find it funny. I, I'm still using the default screen that, that came with. I mean, I tried oh, other which, ones. Which is it? Uh, what's it called here? Let me force touch Modular? It. Modular, yeah, yeah. That's the one that, that when I opened yeah. it. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> well, you know what? It's, it's kind of funny. I was talking to somebody else about this, and I, it may have been... I can't remember who it was, but but the whole idea of having a, like an an an, al, uh, an analog type display, yeah, uh, just it just you know it's a digital device. So why can't I just have nine forty eight and ten degrees in Toronto and yeah, you know so yeah. The thing I don't like about it is how busy it is and and how scattershot it seems. Uh, it it doesn't have any balance or designery sort of sensibility yeah. to it. Yeah. So um, I find it a little um something of a riot to my eyes. I don't like looking at it. I tried it and I just could not keep it. Yeah, I think I think that like it's definitely something that, that I think if they open up um, the ability for people to create watch faces, it certainly will it will sort of change the game a bit too, right? So Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a guy um Gideon Mayhew who works for Icon Factory. Mm -hmm. And he's made uh, lock screens for the iPhone and the iPad um, with Star Trek Next Generation theme. Yeah, I have those on my on my uh, iPad and my yeah. Yeah, and I would love for him to make <laughs> a, a Star Trek Next Generation watch face. Mm. I would I would use the hell. Beat out me of that. up, Scotty. Yeah. yeah. Siri, beat me up. Yeah. Oh, hey awesome. Siri, can you make something weird on on Fuad's phone for me, please? <laughs> what is he? <laughs> uh, anyway, um. Hey Siri, what say, tell but... tell Fuad a joke. Well, that's the funny part, right? Because that puts me in mind of the thing about the watch that is the most powerful aspect of it and is everywhere that I see underplayed yeah. is the ability to give your watch commands mm -hmm. using your voice. You mm -hmm. know? So, you know, just acting, activating Siri at any time, again, just like last week, the Hey Siri thing doesn't work. Um, oh, sorry, Fua. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just troll everybody. Like, hey, Siri, okay, Google, hey, Cortana. It doesn't Done. does not work on my watch, uh, so I don't know what his problem is. But anyway, um, but activating it, like, just what I do is I, I lift the watch hey, Siri. And, and hold down, stop it, and hold down the uh, digital crown to activate Siri. Oh, well, you know right? what? I got my phone on my watch on Do Not Disturb. Maybe that's why it's not working. Probably. But that, that I find is amazing, just amazing. And oh yeah, I've been tweeting from with Siri mind. and everything. Yeah, with the orientation sure. and. Yeah. So that that going into the phone and not not thumbing around looking for an, mm -hmm. an app that got installed from your phone some time ago, mm -hmm. but actually like just using the functionality that's there, the power of the network on your wrist, and that's what the watch is all about. It's yeah. Very exciting when you get into it. Yeah. So a friend of the show, Jack Wu, yesterday I was at the wearable thing with him and we were traveling back home uh, to the subway. 
And I didn't realize that, that we had actually had an activity app that gets stuck on your on your phone when you activate your watch. Did you have you looked at that yet, Aaron? Yeah, I'm I'm no fan of the activity watch thing uh, at all because uh, I think I said this last week. Yeah. It just it does not track uh, my walking on my treadmill, mm-hmm. which is the vast majority oh, yeah, of my activity, right? Yeah. right? So it's just it's just crap. It just does not have useful information for me at all. Um, every at the fiftieth minute of every hour, uh, yeah. it seems regardless of whether I'm standing or not, yeah. it will tell me to stand. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and it it seemed like a, a one off problem when I was talking about it last week, but mm. it's especially today. It's happened like three or four times today. When I'm standing up and it says, "Hey, time to stand." It's like, "Hello." And yeah, <laughs> hey, you did it. Way to go, Aaron. Yeah. yeah wow. I'm so amazing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's just kind of driving me crazy. Like that whole activity suite of functionality is just not working properly. For well, me. yeah. And I can tell you that I was talking to Brian about this again yesterday was that, that, you know, when I walk out of the house and, you know, I, I, you know, I'm halfway down the block before I realize I should, you know, oh, stop. I got to tell the dog to stop walking and, and go into the activity thing and tell, okay, I'm now doing an outdoor walk and then I have to, you oh, know. That's the workout app you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a separate it, app. Yeah, still, but still, like, you know, I've left my house. I'm now several feet away from it. I'm walking down the street, obviously, because it's, the motion sensor is sensing the fact that I'm moving. Why can't it say, hey, by the way, you're, did you want to measure this walk, per se? So it's kind of an odd thing, whereas, whereas you know, the Breeze app and, and the RunKeeper, those kind of devices, they, they automatically seem to know when I'm, when I'm active, you know? That's Apple through and through, isn't it? Like they they provide this amazing functionality, but don't go quite far enough in yeah. driving the intelligence to make sort of these decisions for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's I mean, you know, it's interesting though. I, I've actually uh, uh, I, I was at I went to see the uh, Age of Ultron last weekend, and I happened to tap up my the the, um, the map app on my on my watch on the way home, and it basically it drew me a map to go home, right? Yeah. So I mean, how can they do that? And yet they can't. Never mind. Yeah. But I thought it was kind of cool. I did take a snapshot of that because I thought it was cool that you know that they the the device or my phone or somebody something some program somewhere realized that I was nowhere near my house and then gave and offered to give me directions to get home. Yeah. You know. So soon soon we won't know how to get home. We won't you know can't remember people's phone numbers because we don't even know them anymore, right? I'm sure you'll know how to get home. Hey Siri, what's Jaime's phone number? Hey, stop saying that. <laughs> Fraud's gonna kill you, man. He's gonna come to your house and break your face. Well, he with never a baseball should have bat. told us about that in a tweet. So uh, there know, you go. I know. I, know. I, I had to laugh when I saw that tweet, though. <laughs> I'm so do we want to talk about something? Well, other Jaime than has watch? something to say. Give us a second. Okay, sure. Yeah, so I've got God. a couple Jaime. things struck me during that conversation. So one is still kind of weird to me in that. Folks, um, particularly in the way things are being portrayed in the media, are expecting that, like, this needs to be a necessity device. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. I think, you know, for my needs, it probably is. But, you know, we've talked about first world problems and, and <laughs> triaging things and, and, and all sorts of wonderful things. But I don't think that the watch is necessarily a necessity device that, you know, the, the iPhone arguably is, you know, as close as a, you know, not food or water or air kind of thing could yeah. be. Uh-huh. Uh, the iPad is kind of a little bit like that too. And I think it's definitely become in vogue recently to like say, oh yeah, see iPad sucks. It only sells millions of copies every quarter, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's doomed. Yeah. It's terrible. And yeah, I never actually used mine and blah, 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 right? Like 
goes in cycles. Yeah, the kind worst of product they make is better sells better than most people's best product, right? So yeah, and and, yeah. and for all the things that ended up happening to the watch in terms of you know is it really a necessity device? Yeah. Um, you know, manufacturing issues and yada yada yada, and yet it is as far as we know, and there's not been official confirmation, but as far as we know, this is the all-time best-selling smartwatch of all time. Oh, can't easily. mention again all time. Mm. All, all time. time. Yeah. <laughs> like let that sink in from you know one night's worth of of sales essentially. And the other thing related to you know what could make it a necessity or really help the selling proposition for people and, and the struggles around third-party apps, um, I can't think of, uh, maybe iPad, but I'll, I'll address that one. You know, people had the iPhone for six months to a year before they could ever write apps for it. Mm -hmm. Jailbreak community notwithstanding, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody kind of had an, an experience of some sort and maybe several experiences with the iPhone and said, hey, you know, I would really love it if this thing could do X. And they had a pretty good idea of how that interaction would work. In contrast with a watch, where nobody had a clue what to do with it, and only a handful of people had actually tried it and under special secret conditions and <laughs> yeah. so on and so forth. Not exactly conducive to, hey, I'm sitting here, and as you just brought up, like, man, it kind of sucks that I can't just automatically know <laughs> that I'm in, that I'm walking around and blah, blah, blah. So, oh, sounds like an app idea. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. And, and same thing with the performance thing where people... And we'd kind of talked about this before where nobody had really had to work backwards in terms of, oh, yeah, this thing is less performant than any other device. Right. In contrast to every iteration of iPhone, every iteration of iPad, um, this is a, a very, you know, embedded device kind of device. And a lot of the third-party apps, I mean, I've not used any, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but But it kind of strikes me that a lot of them were like, we have to have flashy animations and blah blah blah. So yeah, that's that's why your app kind of sucks because it's slow <laughs> to transfer all of those dynamic yeah. animations. Like, could have gotten away with the spinner, you know? It's fine, works. Mm -hmm. My two cents. Yeah, that's all, all true. All true. Um, just I think people have to really rethink the interaction model. I think even the very idea of an app-driven platform may be suspect. You know, things that are not integrated into the system um, just don't feel like they're as valuable. How do you mean? Well, uh, like any given app, right? Um, you know, let's bring up the Global Mail app again. Okay. Um, that app by itself is of no use to me, right? right. What is useful to me, uh, you know, just to save them from total ruin, is <laughs> the notification that might come in mm -hmm. that uh, a breaking news item has occurred, for example. Right. Um, you know, the NDP won in Alberta last night. Woohoo! And so I got a notification about that. And, uh, I, I was shocked, and so I wanted to read more about the story. Right, right. And, and then I pulled out my phone and read that. Mm. Um, but I'm never going to sit there in a doctor's office and go, hmm, let's poke around on my, phone, my watch, rather, um, yeah. and look at the Globe and Mail app. I'm never going to do that. But never, you know what? Never, I've never, actually never, gone never. on Twitter and looked at some tweets on my, on my phone. Or watch. Watch. Yeah, on sorry. your watch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's weird because if you actually do have a few minutes, um, I think long term you're going to pull your phone out of your pocket. Not my iPhone six plus. Well, maybe that's your problem. Then. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't have a six plus, it needs a, it needs somebody to carry it around for me is what it needs. <laughs> anyway, I I think it's just going to be a different interaction model, and I think the ones that are more integrated in the system, the ones that 
say you could respond to voice commands, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just by pushing a button. So if I could say, you know, uh, you know, push the crown, say Siri, um, and this would prefigure an API for Siri, right? But, you know, uh, read me the top stories from the Globe and Mail. Yeah. And then that would be more interesting. And then the Globe and Mail app, instead of being something I have to be a destination, that has to be a destination for me, mm-hmm. would be able to push that data th- right through to Siri. And that's more interesting to me. Interesting. You know, a friend of the show, Chris Wagner, was um, tweet. Uh, he wrote an article the other day about his speculation about what's going to happen in iOS 9. He's predicting that we may have access to Siri in uh, some sort of API in, I- in iOS 9. Yeah, I can tell you, I'll believe it when I see it, but I have a lot of, <laughs> I'm serious, I've got a lot of doubt about that because, you know, Siri's been around since uh, yeah. iPhone 5S, and that was iOS 5, right? So right. Um, there, we've got a long way to go before that happens, and I'm, I, I'm just not, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. Well, do we have, do, do developers have access to, maybe Jaime knows the answer to this, Cortana and the other, what was the Google one you've mentioned? I don't think yeah. Google's has a name. I mean, Google Now might be the closest. Google Now, or... that's it, yeah. Right. Google's girlfriend. Uh, Cortana and and Google Now do not have APIs as far as I know. I see. There's ways to integrate things like, um, you know, develop third-party developers on the Google side can create cards. You know, so Google Now has this whole card-based system. And you can do things like um, activate commands in your app via voice control. But I'm... I'm not aware of it going any deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. It seems that there are APIs for them. Uh, Google now does have a, quote, open API, unquote, uh, and it seems that Cortana does as well, some kind of API. I don't know what, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And just as an aside, because we'll... We'll get email about this. Um, <laughs> so iOS 5 with um, the iPhone 4S was where Siri in 2011. Right. 4S. Right. 4S, yeah. right. Yeah, I thought it was, and that was But it was iOS 5, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's been a few years. <laughs> yeah, and it's gotten a lot better, by the way. Like, it was pretty oh, janky when I first started using Siri that year. Hmm. Um, but just recently, I was kind of surprised to be able to do something a little bit more sophisticated, like, you know, I was driving around um, the local mall and I wanted to go in another place. Um, I said, hey, you know, give, what did I say? I said something like, you know, hours for the nearest Petco. So it knew the mm-hmm. context for, I want store hours and mm-hmm. where I'm at and where the nearest Petco would be and provided me the information I needed and said, oh, closes at 8 p.m., blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, okay, I better get there very quick. Right. That's terrific. Moments like that, it's like a miracle on your in your pocket, eh? Mm. Having an iPhone that does that for you. It's terrific. Mm-hmm. Anything else we want to talk about watch-wise? Yeah, well, speaking of uh, not getting letters, I just want to, I just realized I'm an idiot, and I didn't, I realized that I had, right in front of me on the slide, I had the names of the reporters and stuff that I was just talking about before, so just a shout-out to them. Uh, Raju Madar from the Toronto Star. Nicole Bogart is tech reporter from Global Global News. Uh, Patrick O'Rourke is a journalist from the Financial Post Tech Desk. Uh, Daniel Bader is editor-in-chief of Mobile Syrup. And Randy Bergman of the fashion, is the fashion digital, executive digital editor for Fashion Magazine. And Tom Emmerich was the host. So there we go. Um, Did you want to mention something about a secret? Well, we talked about the secret. The secret port was the port you talked port. about. Yeah. 
it, what, what port? Oh, the diagnostic port. The diagnostic oh. port is being reported as the secret port, you know. I actually have not heard that. Okay, Yeah, great. well, oh, if, cool. if you, if, again, if you, sli- if you slide your, uh, your, um, your band off on, on the side away from the digital yeah. crown... Yeah. Okay. We talked about this. Yeah, you'll yeah. see. You'll see. There's like a little cover there, and it looks like a little SIM slot there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. with a little pinhole. Yeah, um, I I didn't think it was a secret. Though. So I, uh, uh, okay, but just I, I mentioned earlier in the show, and I, and I just want to go back to that was was interacting with the watch itself, like, and again, it's been a bit of a learning curve. Um, I find the button that gets your frequent your your friends, uh, you know, just toggles back on and off with your your frequent friends, you know, who you're gonna interact with i find that kind of a waste of that button you know it's i think that button should do more maybe it's like a home button or something maybe because that's what i'm thinking about the iphone and i find the digital using the digital crown to navigate into apps a little unintuitive as well right what do you weird what do you think about that right (laughs) yeah i agree with that like it is weird um moving around in the springboard with the with the crown yeah I, Um, i tend to drag my finger i don't i don't yeah but yeah, yeah. I, I do too. Yeah. But again, like I said before, I, I don't really use that springboard very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think it's that big of an issue. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about that. Well, I'm have, much you, have, more you thrown, concerned. have you thrown a lot of three, third-party apps on there? Because, like, like, I mean, today I installed Meetup and I installed you know, Instagram and, and Evernote. And I've got the apps, Apple Store app in there now. I've got that yep. Adobe Color thing we talked about. I've got my Starbucks app. I've got Pitch PitchX, which is my friend Evan, uh, Evan's app, Slack, Things, as well as the and Twitter, of course, which is one of the I use the most. But and Tangerine app was one of the apps we talked about yesterday at the conference. But um, you you don't have many third party apps on your device yet, or yeah, no, not really. I've you know gone through some of the apps that I have. I've not been going into the app store and seeking out yeah. apps to put on my watch. Um I've just been going through the apps that are on my phone and there's there's plenty. Right, right. <laughs> um and just putting the ones on that make any sort of sense for me. Yeah. So and, well do you know. also find that I find that 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 thinking to use force touch is not um intuitive for me. Like, you know, I'll be I'll be thinking like why can't I do this and why can't I get these notifications to go away? And then, and then uh, uh, Jack pointed out to me yesterday: if you force touch on the notifications, a clear all button comes up. So it's not—it's kind of like a yeah, yeah. hidden interface in a lot of apps, and you don't really think about it as a sort of first place to go. Maybe it was designed to be that sort of like you know um, over all-encompassing kind of action that you would do some major things like clearing all your notifications with. That yeah, kind of thing. It's, I use that all the time. Do you? Yep. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to think about though, with this. Uh... But that's a good one, though, right? Like, because folks listen to here and they're kind of interested in advice. And yeah, I, I think some advice it might actually be in the Hig. I can't remember or not. But let's let's just pretend it's not. Okay. I mean, how <laughs> we just invented this? The, okay. the force touch stuff is going to be hard to discover because yeah. unless you learn how to do it in other areas, yeah. you wouldn't know that's necessarily available, right? Um, at all on the watch. And the other thing would be, you know, you have no indication that I'm aware of. It's not like the screen glows pink or something that says, hey, by the way, there's or has a little red dot or any other indicator that says, hey, you can force touch on this screen. Yeah. So it probably is best to use it for more advanced or perhaps optional features. Yeah, obscure, right? obscure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, I need a setting for blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. You know, yeah. and I. I think using it for something like clearing all notifications as opposed yeah. to a singular one yeah. kind of makes sense, right? I mean, if you're triaging notifications one at a time, fine. If you suddenly get blasted by five Twitter ones, you might want to clear all of them, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. That's kind of 
what people are going to have to design around as to you know, what does my app really, really, really need to do? What can it sort of optionally do? Mm-hmm. Anything that says sort of optionally should either not be on the watch app or <laughs> it should be in the optional force touch menu. Sure. Well, what, one of the things is like, you know, uh, is like, you know, when you're going, th- when you have, a, like, if you have five or six notifications on your watch, you know, you sort of want to go through them all. But but then uh, I find there's a bit of a lag if you if you click on a, a one and you hit the dismiss button on it, it kind of go dismisses, but it's still there. And you think, did I dismiss that? Didn't I dismiss that? And you're back and forth and you end up trying to dismiss the same thing several times because it takes a, you know, a split second for it to go back to the phone and notify and blah, 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 blah. Right. So that's a That's a sort of a intuitive challenge i find in 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 maybe people think about that in their app design too the other thing and we don't have access to digital crown yet in in our apps but i was trying to set a timer on my on my um my watch here yesterday a couple of days ago and uh you know i went into the timer app and i and i clicked on okay found what i wanted to do i wanted to set minutes and seconds and i'm tapping away on the thing and i'm like you know poking at this and whatever trying to do this i actually had to get the, the pdf manual out to figure out how to use the timer Oh, that's crazy. That's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Right. You so, should never go into the timer app, Tim. That's the problem. You use Siri. <laughs> Seriously. You say, no, no, Siri, yeah, no, set a timer for three minutes and 50 seconds. Perfect. Boom, no, no, you're, you're done. You just hit the nail right on the head because because the first instruction you get to in the manual says, tell ti- Siri to set the timer, which I then did. But what I didn't know and what you probably may not know is you used a digital crown to scroll up and down and set the time. Total. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Seriously. Right, but you're right, you're totally right. The the once at once I, once I read the manual bit about Siri setting the time, I managed. That's what I did. But you know, but it was curious that on the next page it sort of said, "Oh, if you want to, if you're an idiot, you don't know how to use Siri. You can you know, scroll up and down with the, with the digital." My point was is that the digital crown using the digital crown interface to scroll up and down, again wasn't really an intuitive sort of thing I would think about doing. Right. I I think that's just something you're going to get used to over time. Yeah, I know. You, again, you're going to have to, but but you know, this is this is stuff designed by Apple, right? We're also our audience is going to be designing their own apps, and these are some things that maybe they should think about too. You know, like you don't want to have to create a manual to go with your watch. I mean, seriously, right? Hmm. You know, this would be a good segue for Jaime to talk about the watch kit mistakes. Well, why don't we do that? Sure. So uh, this will be in the show notes. There's actually two parts. Um, over at the Realm site, and I have no idea how Realm became the place to have all sorts of cool videos and resources, but they are, and I definitely appreciate that. And these are the Realm database guys, right? Yes, yeah, same, okay. same, very same. Um, mm-hmm. So they've collected a handful of, what should I call them, like snippets of things, you know, like little nuggets of either code or little nuggets of information from you know various people that you probably recognize, like, Natasha, or as some may say, Natasha the Robot, Brian Gillum. <laughs> Natasha, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of recognizable names if you're, you're hanging around the Apple ecosystem. Uh, talking about what was their experience with the watch, you know, or working with WatchKit, and what did they learn, you know, and what can you apply for yourself. And, for example, like Brian Gillum's kind of goes around the area that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. like, you know, realizing that this is a Bluetooth LE connection and it's not instantaneous. It's not running on the device. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, limiting the number of images that you might have or aggressively caching things that you suspect you might use again. Uh, Natasha talked about the fact that, you know, the simulator and how that was 
working kind of incorrectly implied behavior that didn't actually work in production. So she points out that, you know, the open parent application call uh, in the simulator, it would launch the entire app, but apparently it only launches the, the app in the background, which is non-obvious when you're oh. first starting out. Right. That, that's good to know. And, and uh, in the second series of them, uh, Philippe Casorla, director of mobile engineering at, at Lifesum, talked about kind of a more meta point of like his biggest watch kit mistake, uh, quote unquote here, was building for iOS 8 as if iOS 7 did not exist. So he went whole hog into refactoring to use um, embedded frameworks. And, you know, they were using core data stack as running as an app group. And they ran into all sorts of issues like, oh, this isn't going to work that well hmm. with what we want to do. So a little bit of a lesson learned there, especially with regards to something like the watch that you have all of these different tools and you need to be super careful about how you're using them and under what context. You can't just like jump on the latest and greatest. You can't necessarily just throw everything in there. Although I keep telling Tim to do that for his countdown. <laughs> My app. boot doggles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw every possible thing you can in there. Um, so some good stuff. There's there's actually a lot of really good nuggets in here that are super helpful. Yeah, are are we done with the watch now? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so that we just ate the whole show talking about the watch. I know. So, well, we were talking just before the show started about um, Discovery D, Discovery D, Discovery Discovery, D. Discovery Demon. I guess that's what it is, right? Demon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you fill us in? I saw I saw a post about that yesterday, and I and I read part of it, but I didn't get all the way through it. So, why don't you fill us in, Aaron? All right. Um, if, let's let's back up and talk about what Discovery D is. Um, so. When OS 10.10 came out, yeah. it replaced the default DNS system on the Mac. There was an old DNS server on the Mac that worked very fine and caused no trouble at all. It was one of the secrets of, of the Mac's success as, as a network citizen, both locally and on the Internet. And in 10.10, Apple replaced it with this new thing called Discovery D. And... Over the past year or so, uh, less than a year, I guess, hasn't been that long, um, everybody's been having troubles with, in one way or another with the Mac's networking capability. Um, turns out it's almost all related to Discovery D, which um, has all kinds of problems. Uh, when I first got uh, Yosemite installed on my Mac, I found that my Mac was being named, um, my Mac's name is Achilles, and I see Achilles 1, Achilles 2, Achilles 3 on the network, um, which obviously is crap, <laughs> and um, it's all because of Discovery D. Uh, I suspect also that it's responsible for my airdrop issues mm -hmm. at, at home. Um, it's For other people, it's responsible for uh, massive CPU hogging, for uh, being unable to find network shares on the local network, which is Never worked for me, actually. I, I haven't complained about it, but um, I have I have my Mac Mini in my TV room, which I cannot connect to reliably through the Finder anymore. I used to be able to all the time. Mm -hmm. My wife's computer shows up, uh, but sometimes, not always. Um, and just basically nothing works seamlessly networking-wise anymore. Right. Craig Hockenberry, developer extraordinaire... Uh, we mentioned Icon Factory earlier. He is the founder of Icon Factory, maker of Twitterific, the original Mac client. He invented the tweet 
the retweet, all those good things. He's the man. And he is writing today using foul language because he's angry about this. Right. Uh, about Discovery D. And uh, he's outlining the issue. And he's frustrated because this is not unknown at this point. Uh, you know, somebody's been out for too long. Um, everyone knows uh, what's going on here. They understand why Discovery D uh, is broken. They understand. We understand what the uh, mechanism of its bustedness is, uh, and it's not being fixed. And at this point, given Apple's development cycle, they are no doubt working on 10.11, <laughs> whatever they end up calling it. Uh, they are clearly not going to be issuing a bug patch for this subsystem of the operating system. Uh, let me just find the part that I thought was really very funny. Um, Two paragraphs. The only explanation I could come up with for this astounding lack of information is that there's some mid-level product manager at Apple who's covering their ass. Mm. I hope this person who's responsible for withholding advice feels good about themselves because the rest of us hate them with the burning passion of a thousand suns. (laughs) (laughs) Being stingy with knowledge in an engineering organization is a blank, stupid career move. Mm. He's pissed. Mm -hmm. Craig Hockenberry is an angry man. I would not want to be on the wrong side of Craig Hockenberry. At the moment, he's angry, yeah. So I hope Apple does something about this. They have to, because this is all fundamental to the way the Mac works on the network. And this isn't just the Mac, either. I mean, Discovery D is almost certainly present in iOS as well. Right. And um, I suspect that Discovery D is at the core of a lot of functionality that gets um, iOS and Mac and watch devices to talk together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having some fundamental issues with it is is going to rear its head in a lot of weird ways that people aren't going to be able to attribute to Discovery D. It's just going to be, oh, well, that doesn't work, so I won't even bother trying. Just like with my airdrop problem, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think everybody's got stories. You know, they don't know that it's Discovery D that it's at the, that's at the core of them. Right. But it's it's something to do with the way Macs talk to each other on the network. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what Craig had to say, and I'm agreed. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not news. I mean, that's the that's the thing that's that's terrible about this is that this is not new information. We've known about Discovery D being problematic since almost the you know during the betas of Yosemite, but it just has never been fixed. Hmm. I would agree that I've I've seen a lot of. Uh, I, I've not encountered this too much myself. I've been very fortunate um, at the office with my Wi-Fi, but there are plenty of folks in our organization that have had issues that sound a whole lot like they're related to this. And uh, although I've been espousing the virtues of uh, using AirDrop, I have had it fail once between oh. <laughs> where my Mac and my iPhone could see each other, but for some reason couldn't transfer a file, and I solved it by rebooting my iPhone. Right. Just magically worked. It probably had to do with this poisoned cache thing that they're talking about. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to wrap up? Yeah. So let's go wrap up. Yeah. Let's wrap up. Go around the table like we usually do and see if we have any picks. And I think Aaron, you have a pick this week. I do, and uh, it's a fun one. Okay. Oh, um, yeah. Back in the day, in the '90s, one of my favorite games for the Mac was X-Wing. Yeah. And it's basically. A, an X-Wing flight simulator uh, with combat in space. Yeah. And I spent many an hour on my LC630 playing that game. <laughs> and it was so choice. 
Um, of course, it was a classic Mac 68K game, and I you know, haven't been able to play it for many years. Now a company called Good Old Games, G-O-G.com, mm-hmm. has reissued this game, among others, but X-Wing is now available for the Mac. And the way they did it is they took the DOS version that shipped in 1993. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and they have this, um, there's a DOS box application, mm-hmm. which is essentially a DOS emulator. And they packaged this thing up for the Mac, and it works, by all accounts, it works fairly seamlessly. It works really nice. Mm-hmm. So when you launch this app, it starts a DOS uh, emulation environment and then loads the game up inside of it. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And uh, it, it includes, like, some, some of the messy things. Like, you, you could do this before, right? There was nothing stopping you from getting X-Wing, like, a DOS version of it, you know, from somewhere on right, the internet. Right, right, yeah. Starting up, getting DOS box, running it on your Mac, and then loading up X-Wing inside of it. Mm. But good luck, my friends, because the configuration is a nightmare. Mm. Uh, I tried this, so this is how I know. <laughs> right. uh, getting getting the mouse support to work properly, mm. the window resolution, and all that crap working properly, it was a no-go. I, I, I literally I took my Mac, I threw it against the wall, <laughs> and I got, got a new Mac. That's what happened. But now, with good old games issue of it, they've done a really beautiful job of, of shipping a nicely configured DOS box mm-hmm. system that plays it very smoothly. So you can use your mouse and the keyboard shortcuts to control your X-Wing fighter right. as you uh, move through the courses and the missions, um, and it works really well. I mean, again, 1993-era graphics, right? <laughs> but um, the gameplay is all there, and the sound works, everything works, and it's really cool. It's like 8 bucks on GOG.com. Yeah. Uh, links in the show notes. If you were like me playing this game in the 90s, this is a blast from the past, man. You're gonna love it. Well, it, it didn't even dawn on me the other day. I saw these on the on May fourth because uh, these games were all on sale because of the Star Wars connection, right? Yeah. It, you know, I looked at this. Oh yeah, I had I have X Wing. Oh, I have Tie Fighter. I have literally have the boxes downstairs still. And then it didn't dawn on me that I can't run these anymore. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Good point. So yep. yeah. So yeah. It, uh, I'm pretty sure I had all these guys in. You know. Well, I think it's only for Star Wars X-Wing Special Edition that well, they've, they've got, issued no, they've the got Mac TIE version. Fighter. They've tie... Yes, they have them, but they're only for Windows. It, only the X-Wing version no is available No TIE Fighter Special Mac. Edition is for Mac. It's got a little Apple icon there. But yeah, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. Interesting. Oh. Okay, well, good. I never actually played TIE Fighter. No, neither did I. I played X-Wing. The there was a whole bunch. It was Rebel Alliance. There was a whole bunch of LucasArts yeah. games that were at the, at the time. So, hmm. Hmm. Huh. Well, there you go. Well, I, I still have a couple of 68K K Macs downstairs if people want to come over and play my, the games at my house. So at some point in the future. Of course you do. Yeah. I even have Mac Paint on one of my Macs downstairs. Um, all right. Um, so, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. Uh-huh. Um, there's a sad irony here, but it's a uh, it's a post by Serenity Caldwell over at iMore. and. Mm-hmm. She has 28 Apple Watch tips and tricks you should know. Oh, okay. So maybe you guys should take a look at this and say, oh, I've been doing this the hard way. Maybe I should set my timers with Siri kind of things. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you know you can make the on-screen text larger? Might be helpful. Yes, I did. You know, I think I, I, think I actually did uh, read this article, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I only put it on here because I look at it and say, oh, that'd be kind of good to know. Um, some when folks and if have, your, app ever, your watch ever ships, right? Yeah, if it ever makes its way, if the UPS guy stops hiding in the bushes and just brings it to my house. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> um, but I've also heard some some folks in general, but I think you guys hinted a little bit at that it, you know, it's kind of a new thing. Um, it's a V1 product, and it's kind of nice to have something that helps you understand, like, what is this new paradigm? I mean, there, it's been a really long time since we've had something UI that is very, very new and different. Mm -hmm, I mean, the iPhone, mm -hmm. arguably, you know, back in 2007, um, iPad, really not so much. I mean, there wasn't anything necessary in the interaction that changed between iPhone and iPad. So, True. You know, seven years ago, eight years ago, we went mm -hmm. through this. People have probably forgotten, but here's something that can help you along the way. It'll be in the show notes, folks. Cool. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm looking at some of these things that I didn't know them at all. So it's, al it's already been, it's already helped. Oh, look at that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that one. <laughs> Taking a screenshot would be didn't really know that helpful. One. Oh, I've already mm -hmm. done screenshots. I'm way ahead on that one. I think. Yeah, you sent me a, uh, a smiley face text the other day, too. Well, like, that was during the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I figured it was. I wasn't able to make it because I was doing work stuff, but. I was like, oh, and it displays in a, I don't remember it being animated, but it displayed in the visual style that looks like it yeah. was on the Apple Watch, the, the yeah. round yes, yeah. it's, yellow it's from, ball It's from the, it's from the uh, Friends app or whatever, I think. Uh, the other thing, is, yeah, I also took a, um, took a screenshot of uh, Overcast uh, announcement of the last issue of um, uh, More Than Just Code podcast coming out, you know. Uh, we were having some fun with uh, a couple of other guys who have the watches. I, by the way, I just found it. Here's here's pro tip for you people: if you have a stylus and you're in there drawing pictures on the, uh, for for your buddies, if you use a stylus, you have way more control than just your bare finger. So, I was actually drawing logos and Fred Flintstone and sending it to people. You have to be really quick though with the with the drawing app. Actually, Serenity Caldwell posted an article about drawing oh, on she? your watch. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, should find the link for that and put that in the show notes because that was actually very interesting. Uh, she's got a lot of very cool tips mm -hmm. about how to do more complex drawing with your finger, not a stylus. Good to know. Oh, with with if sorry with a finger with your finger. With your finger, yeah. Cool. Well, I went to art school to learn how to use a finger and a stylus, so that's just well, cool. Go. Ooh, what's this one? Review your photo. Yeah, photos took you a bit, a bit to figure out. I don't know if you have you played with photos on your on your watch yet, Aaron. Not that I mean, I complained about it last week. Yeah, did you, yeah. I, I I took me a while to figure out that you have to actually. It went to favorites by default, which is like what, you know, it didn't go to the actual. And then and of course then it takes like an hour for the little cache onto your phone. And I'm kidding, it wasn't a full hour, but. <laughs> All right. Well, my pick actually relates to the. Uh, we are wearables. They had at the end of the show with a with a Kickstarter announcement of a new program, which is uh, I think a very important one, and that is let me just call it up here. It's called Link It's uh, L I N K I T Z, and uh, it's a programming. How can I say this? It's a it's a gear towards programming for young girls. One of the problems that the founder, who's a PhD, studied at MIT, uh, has been in tech for a long time. She couldn't figure out why, or I mean, I think she could figure out why women aren't in tech, but she couldn't figure out what, how to make that change. And so they did some research and they found a couple of things about, uh, about gir young girls and, and, you know, even your spawn, Aaron, um, that the kind of games that they that girls tend to like to play are uh, more social kind of play. So they've come up with these little um, uh, connectable, um, uh, they have circuitry in them and, and connections 
that they can wear on their their person, like a wearable watch or something like that, or a brooch or something they can wear. And they do goofy things, like you know, they, like when their friends come near them, they the the two uh, pieces of jewelry will start to to blink. One will blink red, one will blink blue or purple, whatever the kid's favorite color is. And it sounds silly, but this is the kind of thing that that the kids really do like, right? And so it's teaching them to to um, do programming with with uh, based on. Have you heard of Blockly? You guys heard of that language? I think it was something like uh, they used it for uh, drag and drop kind of programming on on early Android and Android Studio. Uh, Blockly with a with an. Inter- Are you guys there? Yeah, I'm I here. I'm just. I'm thinking. One. No, I've 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 heard of similar style languages. In, well, Blockly, and then they've got this other overlay called Rebus, which basically takes the Blockly kind of looks like you know you you sort of have to be super techie to know it, but the the Rebus overlay makes it more like pluggable Lego kind of stuff. It's sort of teaching kids, young kids, like we're talking like young girls, like four, five, six. Um, how to program and and not to say she did she did sort of comment about this in in her talk yesterday that it's not just for girls it's for kids but you know it's it it, they're thinking about how to get kids out of uh or young girls into the program and i think that you got to start them young she said that most people think that to make a tech available to girls you you shrink them and pink them she says right or pink them and shrink them so you make the whatever it is pink and then make it smaller and dumber and, and less less active you know when she was a kid she was saying that as an analogy her they had a, a train set in the basement that was all and she wanted to play with it and her dad would say no you can't play with that that's for boys kind of thing right so that's the kind of the kind of um uh, pattern or breaking out of um people's thinking to get girls working with technology anyway it's a kickstarter program um they started last night and I, at the end of the night they were I think before the before the hour was up, they even they were up to like seventeen thousand. Their goal is something like ninety thousand dollars in terms to raise to raise to build these products for girls. She talked about some of the some of the challenges they had manufacturing in China and and putting together some things. And I I took a couple of I think I periscoped yesterday a video of it. Um, so I may have some pictures or something I can post on the on the the notes as well. But yeah, that's it. It's called Linksys for Girls, and it's a Kickstarter program that you can invest in and check it out. We need a Kickstarter to get rid of scumbag guys. I think that's the real problem. Well, that and that and uh, apparently, uh, I don't know if you know this about Patreon. Apparently, Patreon is another place where people can sponsor other guys to be complete assholes, right? Pardon my French. <laughs> you know, I'll leave that in. Uh, is is that our, like, you're not including us in that. I yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> uh, sorry? <laughs> We're on Patreon. <laughs> no, I know, I, and and it, it it gives me pause. I mean, I know that uh, we're actually we as a show. Uh, just so you go, you guys know, uh, we're also sponsoring Brianna Wu as part of our money that comes in. We we give back, you know, pay it forward kind of thing. She has uh, got a Patreon campaign to pay for someone to monitor her tweets because she gets all these idiots tweeting her all the time, right? So, and she got so much she, she couldn't manage it, so. Gee, I was kidding, but there you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so there's a good use of Patreon to combat the bad use of Patreon, you know. Uh, anyway, so. All right, that's cool. Let's button her up. Button her up. Oh, before we go, I do have three job announcements. i got to find my uh, messages. So our unofficial job right. board. Um, where'd my messages <clears throat> go? Just lie back here. And let you... So while yeah, Tim is doing just that. Just your head back. Here comes the drill. So while so, Tim is doing that, it's probably worth mentioning that um, the More Than Just Code podcast t-shirt is still available until May 13th. And I'm looking at the webpage right now. 
and we have blown well past the minimum number required to do the run. So this is happening, folks. Exploded past it. Yeah, more than three times what's necessary. Now, I know for a so, fact that Jaime will be sporting his MTJC t-shirt at, uh, at WWDC, and uh, I'm not sure how many other people are going to WWDC going to be sporting their WWDC or their MTJC t-shirt. Mm-hmm. If I see you at WWDC wearing one, uh, I'll buy you a beer. Well, there you go. Free Come beer. Buy a t-shirt. Get a free beer from Jaime Lopez Jr. Dev with the hair. Can't miss him. Look for the hair product. <laughs> Unless he's wearing a hat and looking. What was a hat you were wearing the other day? I was wearing a hat. Oh, <laughs> so that was a Seattle Mariners promo. It was a bear hat. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So I was concerned about your hair after that, after wearing that hat. Is that a problem or? No, it actually works pretty well, at, at least at the length of which my hair is. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, I've been thinking, like, hmm, I can't wear normal baseball hats. Maybe I can wear a visor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, the unofficial job log, job board, uh, Mark Rubin is still looking for someone who knows something about UI automation for building regression tests. Um, so that would be, if so, so if you know anything like that, you can get in touch with Mark Rubin. That's mrubin at smapsoft.com. We'll put a link in the show notes, and you can also find about any of us on our Who We Are page on our website, mtjc.fm. Um, my company is looking for people who know how to do WordPress theme construction. So if you're a WordPress advanced user, let us know. We'd like to see if you can help us out with some projects. Um, the working group is looking for a senior iOS developer to help with some of their projects as well. So another shout out for Brian Gillum over at the working group. And that's it. Unless you guys have any job board stuff. No, no. I don't, but I do have a question. Um, sure. Go ahead. I know Mark had mentioned... You know, they prefer local, but, uh, yeah. you know, for the right candidate that might do telecommuting. Um, are any of the other ones remote, like your WordPress one or the working group's iOS dev? I believe the working group is looking for someone in Toronto and sort of yes, on a, a full-time in-house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my case, I work with a lot of freelancers, and, and uh, I, if you ask me, I don't really have a problem with where they are located in the world, but my project manager would like to be able to have them in the city for meetings and Stuff like that, too. So if they're in the Toronto area, it'd be great. Or if they could make it here, that'd be great, too. All right. Um, so that's it. So I guess, uh, Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? They would go to the Twitters. At Aaron Vay. Oh. Oh. And, or they could look at my website, magpievideo.com. And Jaime, if people were looking for you on the interwebs, where would they look? On Twitter, at Dev of the Hair and Dev of the Hair.com. And once again, I am Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter. Um, you can reach any of us through our website, mtjc.fm, and there's more information in the show notes. And as Jaime mentioned before, buy a T-shirt. Sponsor us. Thank you. All Thank right. you. <laughs> See you guys next week. All right. Good night. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps, 
however you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. I was wondering if I'm going to get my MTJC t-shirt before I get my watch. Well, I think that well, the program. Uh, let's yeah. Now that we, now that you mentioned that, let me have a look at that. That uh, ends May thirteenth. Oh, I see. The package to arrive around seven days after the printing starts. Right, which let's, is May thirteenth. Uh, a week check. today. A week, yeah, a week as of this recording. Uh, <laughs> my biggest mistake. What's that about? The, oh, that's it's actually a, a two-parter party. from uh, the Rome folks about. You know, various folks you'd recognize, like uh, Brian Gillum and Natasha the Robot. Yeah. Um, By the way, you saw we got a shout-out from her. You did, right, Aaron? I did not see that, no. We got mentioned in her latest news. News. Um, Aaron's Aaron's Apple Watch Strikes Out got a, got a mention in her uh, latest newsletter. Wow. You have no idea who the, she, who she well, is, Well, of course right? I know who Natasha the Robot is. Don't be ridiculous. But, no, I never never saw the mention. Don't be ridiculous. Holy cow. Don't okay. be ridiculous. Tim. All right. You're being silly now, not knowing who Natasha. I've, I've mentioned her myself on this very podcast. Have you? Okay. Well, thanks for the shout out, Natasha. Natasha, despite, you're you're so awesome. In spite awesome. of our uh, dissing you. I'm curious <laughs> how that's pronounced because I read it as Natasha. Natasha? Like Boris and Natasha? Yeah, exactly. Do you know Bull, you know Bullwinkle, right? Hmm. Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> and Dudley do right. Don't forget Dudley do right. Dudley oh do right. He was a Mountie, wasn't he? Yes, he yes. was. Yeah.